Thank you, worship team. That was amazing. And thank you, Jesus, that we can gather in your presence. I want to ask um, Leon if you could please come to the front to share the word with us this morning. Um, <laughs> not, not ready. In and out of season, the word of God says. But I will teach you that at the appropriate time. Mark. If you could please come to the front. It's in season to have you here. On the 2nd of... I sent a message to Mark sometime last month. And I said, hey Mark, uh, would you be keen to preach uh, at our morning service on the 2nd of May? He said, no way. I was just about to message you to ask if you would preach at our service on the 2nd of May. So um, we have a a God-ordained swap. Now, Leon is very upset because I didn't gave him the chance, or rather that he didn't take the chance, but he, uh, um, Mark, it's an honor to have you with us, Mark, um, many of you would know him, but Mark leads the Every Nation City Bowl uh, congregation, and we share this space together, so they do the evening um, services here, and we share the office in the week, and one of my, uh, uh, um, one of the things I look forward to the most in the week is to see Mark walk in into my office and just to go s- sneak in for some wisdom and some encouragement. Um, he's an amazing man of God, amazing friend, and a mentor to me also. Um, he's married to Melissa, and they've got four beautiful children, um, and they've done many beautiful things with Jesus. And I hope that you'd be blessed by his ministry this morning. If we could please put our hands together and just welcome Mark. Thank you, Javier. Good morning, everybody. It's a great joy to be with you. Um, I'm excited and, and feel privileged to be able to share God's word with you. And uh, I must just say from, from our side, as an Every Nation City Bowl congregation, being able to be uh, in this venue, uh, but so much more than that, to be able to to be, to be family together, to be able to partner together um, with you as a congregation in the city is just such an incredible joy. Um, I also love walking into this venue on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever it is, because the, the Bible says laughter is medicine to the soul. And whenever I spend time with Debbie, I come away feeling medicated by his laughter. <laughs> no, it's so much more than that, but there's a, there's a great friendship and a, a great bond that God is forming. And I just, I love it that um, even though we might be different churches kind of by, by name, but yet we're on the same team and we've got the same mission and we might meet at different times in the day, but we've got the same heart and we want to see God's kingdom come to the city and beyond. And it's exciting to be partnering. So uh, really, really good. So thank you so much for having me this morning and please pray for us tonight. We're going to be uh, sharing and Diabe is going to be speaking uh, on, on healing this evening uh, for our congregation and uh, we're trusting God for great breakthrough in, in many people's lives. Um, just before I get into the, the, the word that uh, I'm going to share in a moment, and I, I just I want to build on something that uh, Dear Bear said a moment ago about God's love. Um, I had an amazing thing happen to me this week. Um, I, I got up one morning, um, early in, in the morning, and, and, and grabbed a cup of coffee, as I, as I do, opened my Bible, and began to read. And, and then I was just praying, and I was talking to the Lord, and I was saying something along the lines of, God, I, I really want to, I want to know you. Um, and I want to know what you're really like. 
and I want to know and I want to understand your ways. And, and I began to pray and I was saying, Lord, I am convinced that, that, that if there's one word that describes who you are, it's, it's, it's love. And, and I'm, say, I'm saying, God, I, I feel this and I sense it, but sometimes there's a little thing in the depth of my heart that goes, is that really true? Anyone know what I'm talking about? So I'm praying this and I'm praying and I'm saying, God, I just, I want to know you for myself and I want to be able to represent you accurately to the world in which I live. And I'm praying this and I finish praying and I kind of end my time. And as I finish praying, my phone goes bzz, bzz, and, I, and I happen to look and it was a friend of mine from Australia and he, he sends me this simple message. He says, Mark, I felt like I needed to message you right now and here's what God says to you. My dear son, my dear son, my dear son. And I hear the Lord saying over and over again, my dear son. And I was like, wow. And I, I was just praying for a deeper encounter and experience of who God is. And these three words, my dear son, seem to answer every question that I had in the moment. And I just feel like this morning, as, as has been kind of declared already, the greatest joy, the greatest privilege is we get to not just know about God, we get to experience his love. And the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter five, it says that we can experience the never ending love of God that pours into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And so I would love to just kind of pray for us this morning that we would not just know about God, that we would experience God, that we would not just know that God is loved by some intellectual means, but actually our hearts would say, Yes, I have experienced the love and the goodness of God this morning. So how many of you would love that this morning? How many of you would love to experience more of God's presence? So why don't you just, uh, if you don't mind, dear, but just close your eyes, everybody. And I love to put my hands out in front of me as a way of kind of surrender and just saying, God, I'm ready to receive from you. And, and let me pray for a moment. And let's trust that today that the Holy Spirit would move powerfully in our lives, pouring the love of God into our hearts. So Father, we thank you this morning that your presence is here. Holy Spirit, I invite you and I ask you to come and move amongst us. Lord, I pray for every single one of us, myself included, that we, we would experience the never-ending love of God that pours and cascades into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And Father, today as I, as I share this word, I pray that it would more, be more than just words, but that you would take this and that you would cause it to come alive in our hearts today, Father. And Lord, would you have your way and would you be glorified in our time in Jesus' name? Can everybody say amen to that? Amen. All right. So this morning I want to share a word that we've entitled Awakened and Untied. And I'm going to read from the book of John 11 in a moment. But let me just give you a little bit of context to where I'm going with this this morning. This is a word that I felt like God gave me about six years ago. And um, it's something that I've had the privilege of, of ministering in very many different places, both here in South Africa as well as many countries around the world. And every time I get the privilege of sharing this word, God seems to do something in people's hearts. And I really hope this morning that you, your heart would be ready to receive what God wants to deposit into you this morning. So a bit of background to this. Um, I, I grew up in Cape Town, not far from here, about 10 minutes from here. I uh, went to school uh, in Cape Town, went to University of Cape Town, studied a business science degree, had a radical encounter with Jesus when I was 19 years old, gave my life to him, um, and, and the whole direction and trajectory of my life completely changed from wanting to go into business um, to wanting to give my life to making Jesus known to the world in which I lived. Um, finished my degree, ended up going into kind of ministry, worked with young people around the Western Cape for a number of years, 
um, ended up leading one of the congregations here in Cape Town for a few years, and, and then we moved to Durban, where we led the Every Nation uh, Church there in Durban for about seven years, from 20, 2004 to 2011. Um, then we spent about five years in the UK, and to be honest with you, I thought I would never come back to South Africa, not because it wasn't home, but I felt that that's where God would have us to be, and we were involved in a ministry in, in England and all around uh, Europe and, and having amazing times, but then in 2015, our hearts just seemed to change, and we found ourselves as a family wanting to come back home, uh, various reasons, family and, and so on. Um, and, and at the end of 2015, we found ourselves back in Cape Town, and we found ourselves in a season that I would describe to many people as, what now? Anyone been in a season that you can relate? It's like, oh my goodness, what now? Okay, maybe there's a few heads nodding. You might be able to identify. So we come back to, to South Africa. We find ourselves here in Cape Town, and, and the Lord kind of redirected things. Um, and there were things that were burning in my heart, but I had absolutely no idea what the next step for us as a family was. And I thought, okay, cool, that'll be like that for a couple of months, and then Jesus will change, and he'll speak. Not Jesus will change, Jesus doesn't change. He will, he will speak, and things will change. Um, but, but that season lasted for about four years, which was like, oh my goodness. It was the best season of my life, and it was the hardest season of my life at the same time. But all that was about preparation, I believe, for what we find ourselves doing today. Um, but near the beginning of that, that time, I, was, I would wake up in the morning, and I would literally go, God, I actually don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life today. And he would say, Mark, come and, come and sit at my feet. I'm not counseling you to do this, but this is what he said to me. And, and I would wake up in the morning and I would come and sit at God's feet. And he would speak to me and he would say, Mark, I want you to, I want you to read through the Gospels. And for about five, six years, I find myself reading other parts of the Bible too, but I, I, he called me to, to immerse myself in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts. And it was a season of him almost resetting kind of the foundations of my faith. It was a season of him wanting to recommission me as I saw Jesus and, and the simplicity of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And, and it was the most life-changing time. But as I'm reading one day through the Gospels, I'm in the book of John, I get to John chapter 11, and I don't know if you've found this before, sometimes you'll read a story that you've read a hundred times before, and it's like, yeah, I know, I know the story, and it's an amazing story, and I love the story, but sometimes you'll read a story, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit takes that story that you know so incredibly well, and He takes that, and He just causes that, that story, that moment, to come alive in your heart. Have you, have you had that before? And as I'm reading the story, John 11, about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, it was one of those moments where I felt like God used the story, number one, to speak into my heart what he was doing in my life, but number two, it felt to me that this was a prophetic story of what God was doing in his body and his bride. And I've been sharing this word that came out of that moment for the last five or six years, and, and that's what I want to share with you today. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it'll encourage you and hopefully it'll witness with your heart. So let me give you a bit of background to the story before we read um, a few uh, scriptures this morning. So Jesus had these three friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And, and they were good friends, and I think they would have followed Jesus' ministry. They would have seen him doing amazing things. But the one day, the Bible tells us that Lazarus began to be sick. And and Mary and Martha's first response was obviously, well, if Jesus comes, then everything's going to be okay. Why? Because they'd probably seen him, you know, heal the sick. They'd seen him, I don't know, raise the dead. They'd seen him cast out demons of people. They'd seen the miraculous power of God flowing through Jesus. And therefore, they believed if Jesus will step into the space, 
everything will be okay. So they send word to Jesus to say, your friend, our brother Lazarus is sick. Would you please come and would you heal him? And it's a, it's a crazy story because Jesus gets the word, but he doesn't come immediately. Have you been in a situation where it feels like that? It's like, God, I know you here. I know you know what's going on in my life, but why do I not yet see the breakthrough? We read later that Jesus said, this is for the glory of God. So God always has a story. God always has a testimony for you, even if it doesn't make sense. So, so Jesus doesn't go back to the town for maybe three or four days. He continues to minister. And then one day, suddenly, he turns to his disciples and he says, guys, we need to go because Lazarus is asleep and we need to wake him up. Now, the disciples' response, don't you love the disciples? I love the disciples because it makes me feel better about myself. Because like half the time, they didn't have a clue what was going on. And they were like, okay. Anyway, so they turn and they're like, well, surely if Lazarus is sick and he's sleeping, we should leave him and like that will help him to get better. And Jesus is like, okay, guys, he's actually dead. We're going to go and, 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 and raise him up. So I'm encouraged because I often don't get it. And maybe you can relate to that. And the disciples didn't get it. Anyway, so they go back to the town where Lazarus is. And he's now been dead for four days. And he's in the tomb. And as you can imagine, Mary and Martha are devastated and distraught. One, because their brother's dead. But two, they probably are battling to understand why Jesus, who knew what was going on, didn't act immediately. Can you relate to that? And so there's a, there's a grief because of the loss of their brother, but there's probably a, a journey of like, I don't understand why I haven't seen the breakthrough. And you've come and you've come too late. That's what they thought. So Jesus comes, Mary and Martha are broken, and he says, let's go to the tomb. And you can imagine they're thinking, why are we going to the tomb? It's probably too late. So let's pick up the story together. Uh, John 11 verse um, 38, I believe it is. And let's read together what happens. And out of this Uh, you might see a few cool things happening. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a large stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been here for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Isn't that an amazing story? Can you imagine being there? (laughs) Can you imagine watching what would have happened? This stone is rolled away and this man has been dead for four days and Jesus speaks into the tomb and he says, Lazarus, wake up. Lazarus, come out. And this man comes out of the tomb and he's still got these grave clothes around him. And I like to think that he probably was kind of hobbling out and kind of still bound. And, and he, he, he awakens this man from the dead, but then he gets the other people around to begin to untie him. Why? Because he didn't just want him awake, he wanted him free. So I read the story and I felt like God said to me, Mark, this is what I'm doing in your life, but this is what I'm doing in many people. And I found this to be true and maybe this will witness with your heart. I believe that number one, Jesus came to the earth not just to give us a ticket to heaven. I believe Jesus came to the earth to awaken our hearts to the magnificence of who God is and what he's done for us and who we are and why we are alive. Can someone say amen to that? 
I'm convinced that sadly so many people believe that the gospel is just forgiveness now and heaven later. In other words, get saved so you don't go to hell. Try and make it through life. And if you are kind of good enough, then when you die, you're going to go to be with heaven. But how many? That's not the good news of the gospel. I mean, by all means, if you're not right with God, please get right with Jesus today. Amen. I'm not discounting the importance of salvation. But as I read the gospel, I see that Jesus came to the earth not just to get earth to heaven, he came to the earth to bring heaven to earth. Jesus came to fill the earth with the glory of God and he came to not only get our hearts to heaven, he came to awaken our hearts to the beauty of who he is. And today, I believe that God wants to awaken our hearts to the magnificence of who he is. So I'm reading this passage of scripture in this moment, what, five, six years ago, and I begin to think about a a prayer that Paul prays in the book of Ephesians chapter one. Beautiful book that he writes to the church in Ephesus. And and he says this in in, in Ephesians 1, I think 16, 17, 18. He says, may God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. And then he says this, may the eyes of your heart be opened or enlightened that you might know the hope to which you've been called, the glorious inheritance in God's holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Have Have you read that prayer before? Isn't that amazing? And and he says, may the eyes of your heart be open. For me, that's being awakened. It's the fact that God has given me not only eyes in my head, but he's given my, my heart eyes. And he wants me to not just see what's going around me in the natural world. He wants to open the eyes of my heart that I would see him, that I would experience him, that I would see my, my world through his eyes. That's what he's praying. He's praying for the church. He's praying for us. God, open our eyes that we might know, number one, the hope to which you've been called. What is that? The hope to which you've been called. Years ago, I remember reading this scripture and I'm thinking calling for me was like calling was all about what I do. But the more I've walked with God, the more I realize that we're called primarily to walk with him and therefore we will do. Does that make sense to anybody? Guys, God wants to awaken your heart to the beauty of who he is. The magnificence of who he is. You know, I read the gospels and I see that wherever Jesus went, people kind of laid down everything to be with him. I'm like, what was it about this man, dear bear, that caused people to just go, wherever he is, I want, I want to be with him. You know, there was this one moment when Jesus fed the 4,000 or the 5,000. You might have read the story. And, 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 and there's this little line in there as he's about to feed them. He says this, we often miss it. He said, these people have been with us for three days and have had nothing to eat. Maybe we should feed them. I'm going, I'm going what was it about this man? that caused people to be willing to not eat for three days just to be with him. I mean, we're like annual prayer and fast, and we're panicking if I have to miss one meal. These guys were like, these guys were like, oh my word, I have, I've got to, because I'm so fed by him that natural food almost has nothing com- on me compared to him. Called divine conspiracy, you might have read it. And he says, maybe it was the abundance of power that caused people to be want to be with Jesus. Maybe it was the astounding wisdom with which he spoke. Maybe it was the attractive character that he had, the way he treated people. But there was something about Christ that caused people's hearts to come alive. And as I read this John 11, this Lazarus story, I felt like God saying, Mark, I'm awakening your heart. He goes on in the prayer and he, he says, may the eyes of your heart be opened that you, the glorious inheritance in God's holy people. What is inheritance? Inheritance is what you get your heart to who you are because I'm, I'm so bad and I'm never gonna make a difference with my life and I'm just like saved by grace, but don't expect too much from me. I'm only human. 
And I'm like, yeah, you, you are a sinner who needs to be saved, but you are now saved. You're now not a slave to sin. You're a child of God. Come on, man, stand up straight and be the man, the woman that God has called you to be because of what Christ has done. You're a son, you're a daughter of God. Someone say amen to that. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 that all of creation longs and waits with eager expectation for the, the sons and the daughters of God to arise. Because I want to say to you today that, that, you, that you are loved by God. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. You have purpose. Come on, people. We need to rise up and be the children of God in this world today. So he wants to awaken your heart to who he is. He wants to awaken your heart to who he says you are because of what he's done for you. But then it says, may the eyes of your heart be opened that you might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. And it goes on to say that that power is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Hello? Hello? (laughs) Do, Do you realize what he's saying? He's saying the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Would, would your life not change if you fully understood and comprehended the power of God that lives inside of you? Sickness has nothing on you. Death has nothing on you. Bondage has nothing on you. There's no situation in our world that cannot be changed because Christ is living inside of you and me. And he's saying, I want to awaken your heart to who I am, to who I say you are, but to what I've put inside of you. Can someone say amen to that? You know, I said to you a moment ago that I had a radical encounter with Jesus when I was 19 years old. I grew up not far from here. went to a school that was fairly kind of religious. Uh, with no disrespect, we would go to kind of chapel every day. And it was, it was dead boring. Sorry to say that, but it was. Um, but from a young age, for me, there was something in my heart that said, God exists and I want to know him. But I didn't know what to do with that. And I had no one around me to fan into flame what God was doing inside of my heart. And so for all those years, I was a believer but not yet a follower. In July 1995, as a second year university student, I went into a church not far from here. And I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that caused a fire to begin to burn in my heart. That's never turned out. It's never stopped. Here's the point is that we need an encounter with God. So many people are just doing, the, not you guys, you all are amazing. So many people out there in church, they're just ticking the box. Went to church, did my duty. Like, yes, do the good stuff. But guys, surely there's more to walking with God than just ticking boxes. God wants to awaken our hearts to the beauty of who he is. So I carry on reading the story and I see Lazarus coming out of the tomb. God awakens him from the dead. He wants to awaken our hearts But as I read on, I see something else happening, which I think is just as profound. Lazarus comes out of the tomb. And as I kind of said a moment ago, the Bible says that he was was still bound by these grave clothes. When when they buried somebody, they, they put grave clothes around their head and their hands and various parts of their body. And if you can use your imagination for a moment, he comes out of the tomb. He's awake, he's alive, but he's still bound. And Jesus looks at him and he goes, it's not enough that you're just awake. I want you to be free. And he turns to all those around and he says, untie this man. As I read the story, I feel like God's saying to me, Mark, I'm not only awakening hearts, I'm wanting to untie people that they can live full and free in my kingdom. 
And can you imagine these disciples and other people coming along and Lazarus kind of bound and, and, he's, and he's kind of getting unraveled, he's kind of getting untied. Why? Because God wants him free. There's a life that Jesus has for him to live. Guys, I feel like God wants to do the same for you and for me. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, you might have read it, it says, it says let, us, let us throw off every, everything that entangles, everything that holds back, and the sin that so easily entangles that we might run the race that God has called us to run. Can you imagine running the 100-meter final in the Olympic Games, but yet you've got a backpack full of bricks in it? and you're trying to run fast, or maybe there's something fastened to your ankle, and you're like, you're trying to run, but you can't because everything's holding you back. That's what this is all about. Jesus came not only to awaken our hearts, he came to break off everything that distracts and hinders. Why? Because he wants you to run the race that he's called you to run without hindrance and without distraction. And I feel like on the one hand, God wants to, of course, set us free from sin. But I've also found that as we seek to live out this life with Jesus, how many of you, there's a lot of things that want to distract us. There's, there's the cares of this world. I was reading this week in, in the book of, I think it's the book of Mark chapter 4, um, where Jesus talks about the different kinds of soil in, in our hearts. Remember that parable? And, and like one, one kind of heart was hard and stony, which was kind of like the Pharisees. Um, the, the, the final one was like soft and tender and fruitful. But the, kind of, the ones in between, they hear the word of God but yet the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth come and they choke out the word of God. And as we, I find as you, as you grow up, life seems to get more complicated. Am, am I right? And, and, and as a young person, your faith and your passion is alive and then suddenly there's responsibilities and there's bills to be paid. And yes, be responsible and please pay your bills. But, but how many of you know that sometimes things in life just come along and, and they want to kind of choke out the fire and the passion for Jesus? Guys, I want to say that God wants to fan into flame the passion in your heart that you can live the life that God has called you to live. So what am I saying to us today is that I believe that Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is awakening hearts, number one. But number two, he's untying people that they might live full and that they might live free. Can someone say amen? Does that make sense? All right, as I begin to bring this to a close, I then read on in my Bible and I found the moment when Jesus was, was going to have Passover with his disciples. And, and he says to the disciples, go into this particular town and, and, and find there's, there's a donkey that's tied up and, and go and untie the donkey and tell the owner that we'll bring it back. Don't panic, and, in, in my words. And, and they untie this donkey and then Jesus rides on this donkey into Jerusalem. And I felt like the Lord said this to me. I felt like him saying, Mark, not only am I untying you or untying people from sin and things that distract, I'm not only untying you from stuff, I'm, un, I'm untying you for a purpose. And that donkey was untied in order that the Son of God could rest upon that donkey and ride into a city. Here's the point. He's awakening your hearts. He's untying us from all that distracts. But not just that, there's purpose for your life. And maybe the greatest purpose is for the Son of Man to rest upon you. Maybe God wants to rest upon you in the person of the Holy Spirit as you ride into your city as you go into your workplace, as you go into your family. Maybe this is all about knowing God and simply carrying his presence and his life to the world in which you live. And so my prayer for us today is that the sons and the daughters of God 
would arise in relationship with him, but secondly, to be free to live the life that God has called us to live. Can someone say amen to that? All right. So now I want to pray for you. That's okay. Short and sweet, or hopefully it was sweet. It was definitely short. Um, But I want to minister to you for a moment, and Debbie, you might want to come and join me up front. That would be cool. Can I ask that we all stand to our feet? Um, Debbie was telling me a moment ago when we were about to start the service that one of his friends who preaches, when when he preaches and he finishes preaching and then it's time to minister to people, he tells the ushers to shut the doors and to lock the doors because church is only about to start now. So church is about to start now. No, I'm joking. We're just going gonna to pray for a bit. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe um, musicians can just minister in the background. Can we, can we all close our eyes for a moment? Perhaps you want to just put your hands out in front of you as a, again as a sign of your surrender and your readiness to receive from the Lord. And as we, as we pray together this morning, maybe there's something that I've said this morning that's caught your attention. Maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit has highlighted that he's speaking to you. If so, then just partner with what God is doing. Just begin to speak to him yourself. You know, maybe some of us this morning if, if we're really honest, we would say, sure, Lord, I, I need a fresh awakening in my heart. Last week, I was on my way to Stellenbosch and I, I got to preach in one of the churches there in the morning and as I was going, I felt like the Lord gave me a picture and he's kind of brought it back to memory this morning and it, it was a picture of, you know, in, in some houses in order to heat the hot water, they had those little kind of gas things, there was like a box on the wall. And, and when it wasn't heating the water, there's like a little pilot flame. You, you might know what I'm talking about. But then when you want to heat the water, you kind of, I don't know, you turn the tap on, you turn it on, and suddenly there's this like, and all of a sudden it's like the flame just springs into life and, and the water begins to pass over it and, and what was cold becomes warm. And, and I, I saw that picture and I felt like for some of us, even maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to come and take that little pilot flame, our faith, our passion for God. And for some of us, maybe that's growing a little bit small. He's going he's to, by the breath of the Spirit of God, just breathe upon your heart and cause that to spring into life. Does that witness with anybody? Is that like, yeah, that's me today. Amazing. So Holy Spirit, I ask um, that you would just come now and that you would breathe on the, on the flames and the embers of our hearts. You know, maybe some of us feel a little bit, a little bit dead in our faith. I just believe that God wants to come and say, there's life for you today. God, I pray for an awakening. I pray for a a new life to spring up. But I also pray this morning for those of us who feel like, God, I I need freedom. I need freedom in my life. If there's stuff going on in your life that you know is is entangling you. Let's just, let's just say it as, as it is. Maybe there's sin in our lives that 
we've wanted to get free from, but it just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. Today, I believe that God wants to, to break that pattern. He wants to free you. He wants to liberate you. Or maybe you've just allowed the worries of life, just the responsibilities that we all face to kind of get the better of us. Some of us feel overwhelmed just by life. It's not that those responsibilities suddenly go away, but but God wants to bring a lightness of spirit. I was reading this week from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. In the first few verses, people know the, the most. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and send me to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And we know that well, but then it goes on and it says, It says, It says, Beauty for ashes. It says, The oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And I can just, I'm, I'm standing here right now and I feel that some of us might just feel like, Yo, life is just. It's just caused a, a, a heaviness to come. And I feel like God wants to lift that off of you today. He wants to lift that off of you today and give you a lightness of spirit. How many of you feel like that today? Just put up your hand and say, yeah, Mark, that's, that's what I want. So many of us. That's all right. Just, just, just let him come. Holy Spirit, come. We cast all our burdens and our cares and our worries and our anxieties upon you. And I pray that you would untie us. Even as you unraveled Lazarus from the grave clothes, that he would not only be alive, but he would be free. God, I pray that you would untie us and unravel us, Lord. God, that we can live full, that we can live free. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give you life to the full. Just, I just sense that this is not an intellectual message. It's not a message to understand, but we should respond with our hearts. And there's it, it, it. This happens when we encounter Christ. And so, there's many of us who feel that I'm feeling the spirit right now that I, I get this, but, but it's not done in me it's, it's not done I, I get it but it's not done and we don't want to stop there no and I want to ask as we we're going to worship God now and for those of you who just know that there's an encounter that you long for I actually just sense that we should come to the front on our knees just leave this leave the space you're at right now come to the front come to your knees and we're going to worship God in expectation I feel that there's going to be there's going to be moments with him now where whatever the thing is that needs to be done between God and you now will be done and we trust God for those encounters so as we as we just going to worship him and just look to him I'm asking that you just come to the front, just on your knees. Just make make space for those around you. Keep your distance. Hope there's enough space.
just like a bold statement and say, God, I need to, I need to encounter you.